0: I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Joey Lee. And we, we love, love to watch. watch. <laughs> we love to watch. Learns the importance of not being a narc. Hang up the Hang it up, Daddy.
1: Or you'll be alone in a quick-
2: Hey, Joey. Hey. Joey, welcome to the Three Timers Club.
1: Oh, thank you. It's really great to be here. How does the vest fit? Oh, the vest is beautiful. I'm just wondering what you're going to give me for the five-timers club. It's also
0: a vest. vest.
2: It's also all a vest. <laughs> 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 is it a it's different all vest? All vests.
0: Uh, it's slightly bigger than the last vest, though, so it can fit over that one.
2: Nice. This is my. Uh, this is definitely the worst running joke we've done that no one gets. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we're going to keep doing it for another 200 episodes. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, because uh, Goonies never say die. I've never even seen that. I've, well, never seen seen like I've never seen the Goonies. I've never seen the Goonies. I saw it once and I didn't like it. Sometimes it's fun to
0: not wade into a culture battle. Sometimes Why? you're just like, you guys have fun. Yeah. This, this
2: means a lot to you, you, you scruffy little goofs. Uh, just, yeah, just, just get out there. Have a good time. With uh, Corky, is that one of them? Uh, anyway. That's a it's a tangent, but yeah, we we love to watch. We're a movie podcast. We pick a theme and we do a month's worth of movies around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. In most months, we pick the movie. Not this month, and it's actually kind of bittersweet because this is it's it's it feels like the month has gone by very quickly, <laughs> extremely. Um, uh, pa- partially because of the way we're recording them, uh, but also, you know, it's uh, we we were really we kept this one kind of close to the vest from a from a what we wanted to do for this month uh, and uh, had a lot of, of of new guests and returning guests picking movies that we wouldn't normally pick. So can't believe it's coming to an end, but it's coming to end with a fun movie. We'll get to that in a sec. In the meantime, if you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, it's Pride Month. Woo! Uh, where we have uh, had. People from The Dissolve, who identifies LGBTQIA+, uh, come on, pick the movies, and uh, and uh, usually it has been movies that mean a lot to them, that are kind of queer films, or, or recognize as queer films. So, uh, we'll let Joey Lee introduce what movie she came on to finish the month with us on. Uh, but first... It would have been kind of funny if someone was someone was like... You know, it's
0: it's not a queer movie, but hard-boiled means a lot to me. I would have been like, sure, yeah, let's do it.
2: We did say, I mean, that was kind of like, hey, like, we're not here to define what movie means a lot to you as a queer person. Like, you pick. Uh, it just happened. A lot of people were like, oh, well, that makes sense then to actually do a movie with some queer representation <laughs> in it. But yeah, if they want to do hard-boiled or fucking Galaxy Quest, I don't know. Let's do we can it. We can find a queer
1: reading in any film. It doesn't oh, need yeah. to be explicit.
2: And in fairness, oh, yeah. we already took Batman Forever and Batman and Robin for our Batman <laughs> month.
1: <so. laughs> that's, yeah, that's, those are two, two staples of the queer canon right there, so.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we'll, now normally we do, we do three things about yourself uh, for first-time guests, uh, but Joey was like, hey, I know, I know you only do that for first-time guests, but it's, it's Pride Month, and I have, uh three queer facts about myself to introduce myself to the audience this time so i'll let joey introduce herself and then tell us what movie she picked to round out the month
1: all right um and two of them are even film related um and the third one is just a really good story um but <laughs> <laughs> the okay so the first one so i'm bisexual um I sometimes identify as pansexual um we can get into the distinctions between that at another conversation but um, I first my first girl crush um, when I was probably nine or ten I went to the movies to see Jerry Maguire with my mom who hated it so we decided to stay for the double bill which is a little scene Selma Hayek uh, Matthew Perry uh, rom-com called um, Fool's Rush In and, um, Salma Hayek is the most beautiful woman in the world and you can't convince me otherwise. And I just fell in love with her and she still holds a really special place in my heart. And, um, I think that that movie has a really underrated line and it's when... Matthew Perry says, you're everything I never knew I always wanted. And I think that actually has, like, more meaning to queer people or people just, like, discovering that about themselves than that it does to Matthew Perry, discovering that, yes, he can date a Latina and not (laughs) sacrifice his identify. I mean, that movie is kind of weird and dated because, like... People date outside their race a lot, and it's not a big deal. But um, yeah, Uh, so that was my first girl crush ever, and is still like probably a favorite. And then um, I really discovered that I was queer actually during one of my first heterosexual experiences. But it but it wasn't like this where I like hated hooking up with the guy. But we were just like sort of cuddling and heavy petting at a cast party after um, he was on tech for the Crucible, and I was I acted in it. And, um, we are just cuddling, you know, nothing too intense, but we were watching Chasing Amy. And I know that that, I know that Chasing Amy is a really controversial, um, pick for a lot of people of every orientation. Um, but just the way that it handles sexual fluidity is, um, and especially Alyssa's monologue, um, in bed, um, with Ben Affleck about how she wouldn't like she's attracted to the person and she wouldn't limit it, um, by any, by any demographic just really spoke to me. Um, so, um, you know, that's a big queer inspiration as well. Um, and then just the funny story, um, that I have. So I have, um, when I was a little kid, um, my family, our, our best friends live, um, in central California on a farm. Um, and we live in the Bay area, which is more progressive. And when I was growing up, Um, in the early nineties, there wasn't, you know, gay marriage wasn't legalized yet, but there was, um, you could get a civil union. Um, so like many little kids, I just thought that marriage was hanging out with your best friend all the time. And I decided I wanted to marry my best friend, Karina. Um, and Karina said, no, girls can't marry other girls. They're, are you crazy? They're not allowed to. And I said, yes, they can. Everyone I know has two moms, if not three, like, (laughs) pfft. course they can because like berkeley where i'm from is where moms settle down to raise children uh and and so then we went to check with our respective parents and i checked with my parents and i checked with my mom and she checked with her dad and um my mom told me yes girls could get married and her dad (laughs) confirmed that no girls could not get married and we came back and we're just as confused as ever so thank god for gay marriage so that conversations are easier and simpler. But, um, you know, if anyone is ever hesitant to talk to kids about same-sex relationships, your kid probably already wants to have a same-sex relationship because they probably think the other gender is icky anyway, depending on what age they are. So anyway, that's my story. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's that's wonderful. That is wonderful because I feel like I I feel like it's great to ground this all in a context because uh, yes, like these movies mean uh, a lot to a lot of people or nothing to some people, but a lot to a lot of people, but Everybody has their own personal relationship with, with a film. It's very intimate and subjective and, and lovely. And everyone gets their own. Like we were joking about a little earlier. Like everybody has their own kind of takeaway from these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff that they find kind of icky or stuff they find tolerable or stuff that they find like is like real to the experience. But other
2: people might find icky, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: definitely. So Yeah.
2: Did you know that we've done Fools Rush on this podcast? Oh,
1: my God. No, I had no idea. What did you, you think? Can,
2: I you can uh you can probably not listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of our early episodes, but no, it was one of uh, it was a movie I was obsessed with in junior high.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, I
2: agree about Sonheg and the me line too. that you I mentioned mm. is a line that we call out pretty definitively on the podcast is like yes. one that stayed with me my entire life as well. So No,
1: it's really yeah. good. It's really good that it, it's better that anyone gives it credit
0: for. Yeah, it's fu- it's very funny. It's charming, but we watched it the Di- two days after Trump was elected? no, the oh. day after the yeah, day so, after Trump was. Elected. So if
2: you do, if you are listening and like, oh, weird, they did. Fools rush in. Uh, that's the why your hour is. is us reacting to Trump being elected president, and then the second hour is about the movie Fools Rush In. So kind of a weird episode. We have yeah. a disclaimer at the beginning, but that's yeah, it's okay. what a weird snapshot.
1: No, I know it's um. well, there's a really good Mark Marin stand up special on Netflix called Too Real that he filmed right after the election results. And he is like, well, that happened like at the beginning, like without actually yeah. like specifying. But, you know, we all know what it is. Hey, everyone knows. Yeah.
2: We were definitely probably the only two people in the entire world who reacted to Trump being elected president by talking about the 1997 rom-com fools rush in
1: yeah De- definitely and considering how like retrograde some of its racial politics are and considering how oh, retrograde yeah. no. some of trump's we, and by we, some i mean
2: all of yeah. trump's <laughs> yeah we we talked about that quite a bit yeah that, so.
1: i would assume that that fit in. oh i also i just want to say um okay so uh but i'm a cheerleader is great it's fantastic
2: you, oh you did get a chance to announce it
1: Oh, no, I, I'm just um, going to plug the movie that I nominated that didn't get okay. enough votes for me to choose it. OK. Um, I'm just going to plug really quickly um, uh, My Summer of Love, which not enough okay. people have seen. It's Emily Blunt's debut. Um, it's Emily Blunt and the Scottish actress Natalie Press. And the director is um, Pavel Pavatovsky, the Cold War and, um, and Ida guy.
0: Um, Oh, yes, yes. And it was
1: Emily Blunt's first movie before even Devil Wears Prada. Um, Patty Constantine is there, too. It chronicles obsessive love better than any movie I've ever seen. It's like a fever dream of being in love with someone. And I love also that it's a gay movie where the issue... That's like stopping them from being together Is not that they're gay It's rooted in religion and class and lies But not um, But like no one It's not like your cliche You know um we can't be together because we're gay and everyone's bigoted. Not that that's not a super relevant story to tell, but it's nice with gay movies to sort of, um, you know, to just tell stories about human beings that happen to be gay. You know, there's obviously, um, that is a victory of sorts. So, um, I don't think they ever say lesbian in this movie about two women, um, being in love. So check it out. My summer of love is wonderful, but, but but I'm a cheerleader is a totally different beast. Um, I love it. I first saw it in college um, and I saw it, um, I had a lot of bisexual friends, bisexual female friends in college who were dating men, but way more interested in women. And they were all totally in love with Graham, but I was always totally in love with Megan. Um, so that is my history with it. Had you guys ever seen it before?
2: No, uh, I hadn't. And I was, I was aware of it like from about the time it came out because it was one of those movies that had one copy at the video rental store I worked at but sat in the new release section for 2 years because they're like well, what's the why move it if the one person that rents it yeah. will get 3 bucks instead of 99 cents and i kind of remember the 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 like the poll quotes or whatever the marketing on the VHS really trying to uh, trying to compare to American Pie
1: oh, wow. with Natasha yeah.
2: Leone being in it, like I, I, I had trouble finding this, and maybe it's like not a real memory, but like I remember, like you know, uh, highlighting like you know, if you like American Pie, Natasha Leone, you know, like, like it was trying to play up that connection because I, I believe they came out in the same year, right, nineteen eighty nine, yeah. Um. So the. Uh, So, like, that, I just thought it was, like, a straight-to-video – I thought it was straight-to-video, like, cash-in or, like, whatever else. So, I didn't really think much of it until a few years ago uh, through The Dissolve, uh, the great way that all these, uh, like, these movies that a lot of people went through their life passing over and not thinking much of, people uh, were like, oh, no, it's really good. Like, it's actually this, like, very interesting, like, John uh, Waters-type film. And I I didn't even know – uh, when I saw the post or anything that it was about anything like queer or gender issues or anything like that, I just thought it was like a cheerleader comment. <laughs> like I'll bring it on.
1: Amazing. Is it so. isn't that a victory to itself? I coincidentally, um I quoted the bring it on line. This isn't um a cheerocracy. it's a cheer tatorship to my very political mother, and then she was <laughs> like, We need to watch whatever movie this is. Like <laughs> I was like, I don't think that you understand like how fluffy this movie is, but okay. Um, so so that was funny. So I saw it the day before I saw this one, and my dad was also like two cheerleader movies in a
2: row. Um, Did you round it out with Sugar and Spice? I didn't. Totally forgotten movie. Is That Mina Suvari was that that one? It is. Yes. Yeah, it's the one where they rob a bank. Yes,
1: I liked it a lot. Is it or a little like Jawbreakerish? Even though I've never seen Jawbreaker, but like at the same sort of like cartoon. It is, yeah. I,
2: I haven't seen Jawbreaker either. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm talking out my ass there, but um, uh, um, <laughs>
0: no one has seen Jawbreaker. You
1: know what else is weird? That's fair. You know what else is weird? Um, uh, so my mom's favorite movie is Dick, which is um, the Kirsten Dunst. Uh, oh yeah, Michelle Williams. So Kirsten Dunst is in Bring It On, and then Michelle Williams yeah. is in But I'm a Cheerleader.
2: She is. Well, it took me a second to be like, man, that looks like Michelle Williams, mm-hmm. but she's she's nowhere listed on like when I even like yeah. the Wikipedia. And so, like, I had to go back and check, and I was like, "Oh shit, that is Michelle Williams."
1: Yeah, it might have been before Dawson's Creek. Maybe Dawson's Creek had just started. She was on yeah.
0: that. She uh, has such a baby face. I know. Her. Like, oh my god, she's so young. She
1: was so yeah. She like you can tell from her voice.
2: Like, she it was definitely post Lassie.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was. It was before. Yeah, because after Dawson's Creek, like she she took on a gravitas. Oh yeah. Of, like, like a, a a this she became like a, a woman woman like she had like a weight to everything she said all of a sudden you're like yeah she could play whoever she wants it doesn't matter she could play a pilgrim like she did in uh yeah. meek's cut off yep. she could play fucking marilyn monroe it doesn't matter
2: oh actually um i'm just remembering that the the when i the first time i was made aware of this movie was not from the dissolve although it reminded me about this movie uh this movie is uh featured in uh this film is not yet rated mm, yeah uh, and the director is is uh, is featured as well, yeah, I'm yes. talking about that. So that's that's where I first kind of became aware that it was like a queer film that also like went through this whole censorship thing. And the the director speaks very candidly about like, yeah, well, my movie got rated NC seventeen. I had to cut stuff because it was uh, a quote unquote gay film as opposed to uh, like. And and I think she even brings up the fact that this came out the same year as American Pie, where someone like fucking yeah. humps a pie, yeah. And, and as where this movie was just like, I think it was just like a hand over pants that needed to be cut, yeah. uh, cut out of the movie to get an R rating and how like. But this
0: movie should have been PG-13. Like this should be one of those movies they like, made, they, they stop going by the technical. I understand like it was, it was, that's the point of the documentary is that it happened in this like homophobic environment. But like. <laughs> Uh, this movie should have been PG-13. It, it, uh, it needed to be a movie that spoke directly to kids that were going to the movies and maybe were trying to sort some stuff out in their head and maybe could use a reassuring voice in, in the form of film, right? Definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, it all goes back to the thing where, like, gay sex is seen as dirty and straight sex is seen as business as usual or less yeah. dirty.
2: But well yeah. and, and that and ironically that's what this movie's about too for all these yeah. uh for for all the Christian motivations uh it is like well yeah like of course we don't want you to have sex before you're married yes. as, as Natasha Leon is like yo yeah, well, I'm a good Christian girl but it's like but like uh the idea of chastity with gay thoughts as opposed to like uh that's worse than uh than like uh heterosexual like sex or uh foreplay or whatever else and and no gay like yeah. they they've kind of said that like oh yeah no sex is bad unless unless it keeps you away from being gay in which case sex go ahead and do it it's fine
1: yeah i mean that's like the inherent it's inherently humorous i think almost with all of these conversion films but especially this one and especially um ones that are aimed at women because Christian women are really supposed to like keep the kibosh on their sex drives, right? Um, it's inherently humorous to have the conflict of don't have sex at all, definitely don't have sex with women. To reinforce this, we're gonna room you with women and make you yeah. do a lot of feminine activities with women. Surely this won't lead to more hooking up, of course, it does,
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and they and they do make like a big point because she's like, Look, I like, when they're like, no, you're – admit you're gay, which is, like, the first step. We'll get into it yeah. in just a second. But um they're like, you need to admit it. And she's like – and they're like, have you ever, uh, you know, grabbed a wiener or whatever? And she's like, no, I'm, like, Christian. I've been told not to do that. And they're like, yep, see? <laughs> it's like uh, – and these are, you know, supposedly some sort of, like, Christian camp who is, like – who is, like, chastising her for, for not – Doing the thing that they tell people not to do, because that somehow proves that they're that they're actually worse. And then there's another character later in the movie where the same thing built in
0: hypocrisy. Exactly. It's it's like we know you're going to break these rules, but you're supposed to break these specific ones. So the fact that you didn't
2: break the rules actually means you're breaking different rules that are worse rules.
1: It's like pick a lane, guys
0: yeah exactly you're <laughs> supposed to be caught making uh making out with your boyfriend
2: in the back of a car not making out with a girlfriend in the back of the, like. yeah uh well and then they also have the character who like is is kind of uh is uh is straight and she's like i'm straight but everyone keeps telling me i'm gay because of the way i cut my hair and the way like i dress and stuff like that but like and they're like and everyone's just like ah screw you you're you're gay. You're definitely gay. You're just in denial, like everyone else. And and she you know she runs away crying. And it's like even when even when uh, they are the uh, the orientation that they approve of, because she doesn't have the femininity that they approve of, they don't buy the orientation. So yeah. it it has so many good moments. Like I was actually surprised that this movie wasn't just about the kind of like re-education camps for for gay youth uh it like had a lot to say about uh, a bunch of other things like uh gender identity and uh gender norms and all that kind of stuff that i thought was very very both surprising and interesting and i also was surprised at how uh touching the movie was like yeah i thought it was going to be a um Especially the first like ten minutes, like a John Waters type comedy. And as much as I like John Waters films, touching is not a word I usually use to describe them. Yeah. Uh and this one really has a like kind of a a sweet love story at the center it that does. that really that really gets you to the point that, you know, there's parts of this movie where the the comedy or the over the top parody type elements goes away and you're just yeah. focused on how much uh, pain that is being caused by society's version of like gender norms and sexual identity, all the stuff, keeping these two people that are so clearly in love apart.
1: And it's um, one of the best happy endings I've ever seen. Cause it feels so earned to me. Yeah. Um, and I like, I like my movies dark. So I, I typically don't love a happy ending, but I love this happy ending and I rewatch it all the time. But, um, And it actually reminds me, I was listening to another podcast where the person said that um, she routinely in the afternoons um, watches the scene in 10 Things I Hate About You when Kat reads that poem to Heath Ledger's character. When Julia Styles' character reads the poem to Heath Ledger's character, called because I Hate About You," because she wants she wants to see someone be a little vulnerable to help her get through the afternoon. And I think I used the last scene of this movie with the cheer one, two, three, four. You're the one that I adore, just like that. I love it so much. Not to spoil the end of the movie.
0: Life is so deadening. Yeah, I know. And sometimes <laughs> it's nice to like connect with something that's like earnest and sweet and kind of uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: And I think it's. I think it's also. It's like the performances. Most of the performances are so broad. It's like you're watching a cartoon. But the performance by Natasha Leone and the performance by Claire Duvall are like both very understated. Actually, yeah. And you wouldn't think it would work,
0: but it does. She she doesn't play a ditzy cheerleader in a broad sense. Yeah. She plays a ditzy. She plays a naive young girl who's figuring out a lot of stuff. Yep. And, and what's what's funniest about this movie to me is that like. Her personal journey is in, seems to be entirely initiated by friends and family outside of her forcing her to go yeah. on the journey. Yeah. So, like, she seemed somewhat fine with the fact that she was having these fantasies. I mean, she seemed completely fine with the fact that she was having these fantasies. She about, thought that
2: was what you were supposed to have fantasies about.
0: Yeah, like, it, it, that's why I use the word naive. Like, she didn't yeah. have, like, a sense of, like, the context for what her feelings were. But it's kind of, like, in a beautiful way. Like, a very pure, innocent, in, like, a poetic way. And that that's what I love about the first couple acts of the movie is that, like, she seems like she's, like... She's like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on. My parents just told me I have to come here.
1: Yeah. And it's sort of, it's almost sort of unbelievable, like, as someone who definitely had, like, a sex drive at 15. Like, it's not that she doesn't. It's just, like, she's so naive because she's been closed off. Um, And I really, so what I've always really loved about it is um, this is a very counterintuitive role to put Natasha Lyonne in. Natasha Lyonne is a gruff drug user. Who excels as Orange is the New Black or a girl who can't stop dying on Russian Dolls. She's terrific. I refer to her as our version of Christopher Walken. I think she's our version of that um, wonderful character. And I'm thrilled we have a female one.
2: And she usually does play the smartest person in the room. Like the person that's wise beyond not just her years but like the other characters. Like Russian Dolls are a really good example of that. But even like, you know, American Pie – Yes, she's so good at that. She was, like, the one that, like, was very experienced but also had a very, like, mature attitude, uh, progressive attitude on, like, sex and stuff like that that people would go to. And she's like, hey, yeah, you're in high school. Good to have sex. Here's what you should do. And, like... Also, she made money
1: off of all the the shenanigans, too, because she got paid to start the rumor that that guy was great in bed.
2: And that's, like, I think kind of what she, I don't know if typecast the right word, yeah. she's just so good at playing that. It's just
1: excelling at that, and like if she we still lived in a
2: studio system, like they would just build movies around her,
1: and I'm so yeah. glad that she started writing her own stuff to like optimize that, because I love her so much, I'm such a fan. Yeah, yeah.
0: she's she's an absolutely wonderful person, and like uh, just yesterday I was talking to Aaron and I was saying, because I love Russian Doll, I Yeah, it was like one of the best in the top the three really best things Netflix ever has ever made yeah. like it's just such a perfect thing and it doesn't waste your time yeah. like a lot of these shows do and it, 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 it's just a potent product that starts off just like a fun silly kind of show and then it, by the end of it you're like am I about to cry yeah um, and, and then when I heard they were doing a season two I was like we should also note that uh, Jamie Babbitt the director of this worked again with uh, Natasha Lyonne uh, uh, on, on Russian Doll Russian yeah. Doll oh great she did a ton um, of TV yeah she just basically went to tv i don't think she did another notable movie
2: Um, yeah she did a couple other smaller movies like this but yeah like i mean she's directed television like she's done like eight episodes of it's always sunny like has worked pretty valley like
0: everything yeah so there's a when uh, i was talking to aaron and i said that the show was ending or sorry the show was doing a season two i was like I was like, I just doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's I, I want the thing to just end. I want it to just be its own little like closed loop of a story. Like it's so beautiful as it is. And then I saw a video of Natasha Leone like excitingly excitedly reacting to the news. Like she's in her bathroom or her kitchen or something. She's there's like a mirror and she's she's got like the big floppy curly hair, and she's just like she looks like a kid because she's so excited. And I was like, Okay, season two, let's go. Yeah,
1: she's a, she's a great combination of Old lady and little child. I think a Russian yeah. doll. She describes herself as um, Andrew Dice Clay and that little girl from Brave, which I love.
2: But <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Uh,
0: and the I will say was just, there was the show is painfully full of one-liners. It's like, so good. It's,
2: there's no, there's no good place to stop but the one-liners. Like there's just too many. Yep. There is a part in this movie though where she has her head down in a bathroom sink and whips her head up and stares at herself in the mirror that I very much expected a certain song to start playing. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Because it was like the exact same move she does at the beginning of every like yep. Russian doll timeline. The like, hearing song. Yeah, yeah, gotta get up, gotta, gotta, gotta get, get up. Get up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but anyways, we should, um, we already started talking about the movie because clearly we're excited to talk about it. So why don't we cut to a little musical break? Uh, and uh, we'll be back to go through the plot and everything else of uh, But I'm a Cheerleader. Are you guys ready to talk about this movie more? Definitely. Hell yeah. Crazy galore, you wouldn't do it, Seen it Looks like you it. you you know do you know you're, missing, you're missing? Well, uh, Peter... You're taglines. Oh, yeah. I am slight, but powerful. Just
0: like a cheerleader. <laughs> Great, Peter. Thanks. Good effort.
2: Thanks. Um, uh, yeah, so the plot of this movie is that Natasha Lyonne plays Megan, who's just a good Christian girl with a boyfriend that she, you know, doesn't really like kissing, but it's something that she does, and, um... Uh, and sometimes, uh, while she's doing that, she thinks of all her cheerleader buddies, just uh, just uh, bobbing and jiggling around, and that's just who she is as a person. And then people are like, "Hey, you're vegetarian. You're like Melissa Etheridge. Like, I think you might be gay." So, a uh, um, RuPaul. Yes. What's his What's What's his shirt say? Straight is great. Yes. Uh, which I the first thing I thought when I saw, saw that shirt, I'm like, oh, my God, that'd be an amazing shirt to have. And then I thought, no, there's no way you could explain to enough people. It's ironic right. from a movie. No. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, those were like one, two, one, two uh, thoughts. But it's very funny because he, he's very good in this movie. It's
1: funny when uh-huh. RuPaul wears it. RuPaul is allowed to wear that shirt. Well,
2: exactly.
0: <laughs> like- <laughs> I was surprised how quickly I recognized RuPaul because like RuPaul only acts in the full getup. Like full makeup, like yeah, I I'm not used to seeing RuPaul in in that particular context,
2: yeah. So- Especially in the '90s, like I remember from the Brady Bunch movie too.
0: Yeah, yes. Which in the Brady Bunch movie, oh yeah, I just saw that the counselor. Yeah,
2: it's just the coun just a counselor. It's yeah.
0: not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a thin thinly veiled, um, you know, gay hero or a thinly veiled drag character. Like it's just it's just
2: a a counselor who happens to be played by RuPaul. Yep. Yeah, uh, Brady Bunch movies are good, and we should do them on the show sometime. Anyway, uh, so... Sure, Jan. Yes. Uh, so they uh, so they send her to, you know, Pray the Gay Away, gay therapy uh, camp uh, with... Uh, different than a lot of these, there's both boys and girls. Yes. They're... Clearly um,
1: marked by color.
2: Yes. Uh, this movie has a very, like, it, it John Waters style... And actually, uh, I want to get into the color stuff later because I feel like if I describe it here, I'm taking um, – I'm, I'm not talking about plot. I'm taking away a lot of the themes I think we're going to talk about. But like they – the way they do their therapy is by having everyone conform to gender norms because they <laughs> – they and, and also find their root. So their root is what made them gay. Uh, and the therapy, and this can be anything to like. And actually, when everyone lists all the different things, uh, it's a very funny scene of all of the slight and in uh, inconsequential to like some more, uh, some bigger uh, things potentially are what quote unquote caused them to be gay. But you need to learn your the, the therapy is essentially you need to learn your root so that you can overpower it. And the way you overpower it is by uh, conforming more to gender norms. So if you're a woman. That means you're going to be doing home ec type stuff, vacuuming stuff like that. And if you're a man, you're playing sports, you're, uh, you know, dig, cutting wood with axes and stuff like that. So, obviously, like with all of these movies, uh, when they put a bunch of people together that are super horny and now they meet a bunch of people that have the same orientation and are attracted to them, uh, people start hooking up. And Sashione gets Rufio kicked out of camp. Uh, I was so happy to see the actor who plays Rufio in this movie. I'm just going to call him Rufio if that's okay for the rest of this. What is he from? He's from Hook. He plays Hook. Rufio. Oh,
1: okay.
2: <laughs> I haven't oh. seen
1: Hook in Rufy. a really
2: long time. Oh! Uh, my, my five-year-old weirdly loves it. Nice. She doesn't like Peter Pan, but she loves Hook. But anyway, um, you got a weird kid. So, no I kid, I do. Um, <laughs> like no one liked Hook.
0: So, <laughs> that was who I was uh, as a
2: three-year-old. Yeah, I love, I love Hook too. So it all, it's all coming together. Yep. Uh, so anyway, so yes, yeah, so they end up going out to a gay bar one night, and the cocksucker. Like the, Sorry, the cocksucker. Yeah, and it's a Graham is Graham is the person who like they clearly have like a very uh antagonistic but like uh will they or won't they type sitcom uh, uh attraction at the beginning where they're kind of mean to each other and they don't like each other but there's office there's a natural rapport Graham is the is the kid who like is very much like i'm gonna play along with these idiots but i'm not like she doesn't seem bothered or worried about the the camp top by kathy moriarty yes which is amazing say, uh who's very good in this so, anyway, so they go – They the, she ends up kind of kissing Graham and then they go through the montage of them learning and heading up to graduation with a lot of, like, uh, you know, them kind of flirting and eventually having sex. Um, and then at graduation, they find out about it. They threaten both of them, but uh, Graham decides that – uh, surprisingly, she is finally kind of cowed by her parents into just uh, selling out Megan and agreeing to – uh, be the what, what's the what's the term they use where she's like the dummy for Kathy Morgan oh when they
1: when they're doing it, like the partner for simulation
2: for simulation yeah, yeah. The, her son's sim, a simulation partner which is them in onesies with fake fig leaves over their private parts area uh, pretending how to have sex that's the graduation ceremony
1: I think it's and, the last uh, test before graduation but yeah
2: the last test before yeah uh, before graduation uh, Megan refuses and gets kicked out of school uh, where she goes where uh Bull from Night Court and this other guy where they almost have like this um like this uh I don't know expat yeah. camp where uh which I really like, it's, like they, it's almost like a gay halfway house yeah. for people that have like been rejected by society uh the these two Bull and this other guy I forget the actor's name but he's very recognizable from 90s stuff especially um they uh, they basically are letting the people that Kathy Moriarty has has kicked out of camp, thus being ostracized from their family, stay with them and kind of teaching them that like kind of deprogramming them from both of their family and the the camp's uh, training. So uh, she ends up there where Rufio, who she got kicked out, was there saying, "Hey, this is the best thing that you, that's ever happened to me." Uh, she then goes back to try to win back Graham uh, and does a uh, cheer cheerleading routine, uh, and they kiss, and everything pans up, and yeah, it's a very happy, happy ending.
1: They ride away the in end. a truck.
2: They ride away in a truck.
1: And then also, and I would forgotten this, then you see a flag meeting with, um, with Megan's parents later, so you oh, actually, yes, there is right. like a happy... I always just remember it ending with the cheer and riding away. Um, but there, but there is evidence that Megan's parents came around, which is good yeah,
2: because right. oh yeah, Bud Court,
1: Bud Court, <laughs> Harold from Harold and Maude, and then also her, her mom is played by Mink Stoll of all these John Waters movies.
2: But as long as we're on the parents, so this movie has that kind of um, thing that a lot of these movies have, where the parents are like look, we are very, very supportive. And they're like, look, we just love you. We want you to be happy and stuff like that. Until finally, because they think that she's participating and that she's quote unquote getting better. And then once they find out that maybe there's a little bit of a, uh, 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 you know, a a monkey in the wrench or a (laughs) wrench—I I don't think that's a phrase. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But there's, there's something coming up the works. Then it's like, Hey, it all of a sudden becomes super like, Uh, It always was abusive, but it becomes more like clearly abusive, where it's like, hey, we do just love you so much, but you know, if you don't get fixed, we we can't love you anymore. You're not going to be able to come home. So like, there are parents who at first seem like these kind of suburban dolts uh, who all of a sudden really become sinister in that moment. So I don't know if I like – I like it because I really like Megan, and I'm glad her parents didn't abandon her, but I think – as as uh, frustrating as it is, there's a there is a feeling of uh, maybe maybe a, I don't want to say a lack of realism, but yeah. I think a little bit is what I like. You know, unfortunately, the type of it feels like the type of parents that would literally try not just send them somewhere, but but literally seem very willing to cut her completely out of their life if they don't conform to their idea of uh, gender norms and sexual identity and stuff like that. Like they they seem unlikely to come around so quickly after that.
1: I agree with that. And I also sort of – this is the third time I've watched it, at least, if not the fourth. So um, I also – so this time around, I was a little more critical than I've been in the past because I could notice different things. Um, And I also sort of have a little bit of a hard time believing that Graham, who is so fearless and confident at that camp in the face of those people – um is the one that is about to go to the graduation ceremony but megan finds the gumption to not go like i like it because it reverses their like courtship dynamic but um it's a little bit hard to believe and maybe this movie's only 85 minutes so like maybe um a little more time or an extra scene spent you know um to sort of make that switch feel a little more earned would have would have been nice
2: for a movie that's very much not Hollywood, it does feel like the Hollywood third act, like, obstacle to keep them apart.
1: Oh, yeah. Like,
2: it feels a little, little, uh, uh, little, uh, contrived.
1: Yeah. Um, but you're not going to convince me that this ending, uh, this, this ending is still fantastic. Um, ending's really um and I also just want to say about the parents, um, you know, this is a really, um, silly, funny movie, but there are, like, these moments of, incredible darkness even if it's a dark joke that really um just like almost come without warning and one of them i think is when they have the family therapy session and um the you know the rupaul character i think or maybe it's the kathy moriarty character they have to go around and say like what they feel like you know what their route was and like why you know why they're gay now and um watching natasha leone sort of say, you know, like, sort of struggle to find a problem with her parents parenting the year that her dad was laid off and her mom went to work is actually pretty painful yeah. to watch. And I also saw it as like a manipulation tactic on the part of the camp to keep the parents feeling so guilty that they keep the kids in the program.
0: Oh, yeah, they're all they're they're clearly paying an extensive amount of money to be there because these are privately privately run, privately funded, um, because it's uh, nonsense and barely even pseudoscience. Yeah, uh, sure. It's Yeah, it's, it's just... To, you're paying to have your kids sent away to be abused. Yeah. Um, I do see it as a way for... Um, that kid, the head of the camp to maintain her power and also like to keep the money flowing in right because like if a kid goes home presumably the checks done. yeah
1: right all that color coordinated clothing doesn't grow on trees
0: <laughs> yes yeah, so let's let's talk about that, that. I, I love that john waters kind of the movie is not john watersy it's it's um not it's not cynical enough
2: yeah But any given frame in it looks like a John Waters movie. Yeah. Well, but I I would say that this movie does something that I think is actually really interesting with that kind of like garish color design and production design that like took me a little bit to get, which is like, so everything looks like John Waters, super artificial, right? Like just these bright, flashy colors and like, and, and especially when you get to the camp, like the, when whenever they're they're training the boys, everything is this like light blue color. They're dressed in blue. I like the 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 the, the cardboard cutouts of like how to chop water blue. Like everything is super blue. When when the when the girls are learning how to vacuum and stuff like that, and so everything is this bright pink. And but it does look like candy colored. It does look artificial, and you realize that the movie is saying like. Like, the production design matches what the movie's trying to say from a thematic standpoint in this very, like, direct way, which I don't think I've ever seen. It's really fun. Like, production – yeah, production design a lot of times, like, supports a theme and a tone. But is literally saying, like, hey, you know how uh, this looks fucking super weird and fake and artificial? Much like the gender norms that society has created to fit them in a box based on the genitalia that they were born with. So, like – it like it when i kind of like put that together i was like oh that's really interesting because it's using the john waters aesthetic to underline it and circle its themes in this like really clever way definitely like megan's aesthetic is like pink and
0: and bright and and very much like classically classically not just feminine but classically like little girl yeah um and uh, that, that, that the movie, a lot of the movie seems to reflect that. And, and the fact that her, her awakening scenes happen in um, a dark kind of warm, intimate bar, as opposed to these like hot pinks and hot blues, yeah. this, but this dark sort of, you know, warm, intimate bar or, uh, you know, sort of dark back alley but it still has a warmness to it it's not creepy you don't feel like a random pr- creep is going to come up to them right you you feel like this is just like their own little space to sort out their feelings yeah um and it, like that that the way the movie plays with that and and shows that its own aesthetic is not uh, monotone is uh just a really lovely way to exemplify a care her her growth yeah um, so bright, so floral, so bouncy, and then it kind of like chills down into uh, these these dark colors.
1: Yeah, and I also think that feeds into the fact like when you're in the closet, it's like you're performing your life. So all these performances are so broad, but it's because they're performing, right? And like that's a pretty obvious point, but I still think it's well done. And the scenes in the bar is is, is a contrast from that.
2: Well, I don't know how obvious it is because you'd be surprised. So. Uh, this movie did not get good. It got terrible like, reviews. Terrible reviews. Here's the the two funniest things that uh, that they said. I and like, there's definitely a lot of like uh, queer critics at the time that were positive on this. And this movie has definitely had a level of discovery. But the critics at the time were merciless to this movie. And the 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 two funny things they call out are a lot of people complained about the uh, the production design, even though like. It again, it is not just doing it to ape John Waters. Like, it there, there's actually a fucking point in it that, like is super clever in a way that, you know, as much as I like John Waters, that's like just his aesthetic, right? Like that's what he's doing. He's showing kind of the artificial nature of suburbia, but also like, you know, that's just kind of how he shoots movies. And like, I do think that this is doing something very interesting with that type of design in a way that underlines its themes. Uh, and so like, apparently that was very much missed, but the biggest criticism that multiple critics said, which is such like, we could probably talk about for a while just because it is the exact thing of like, it can't just be like a queer or a gay film. It has to be like something bigger than that, uh, that this movie got a lot of shit for quote unquote, only preaching to the converted.
1: Oh no. What? Why should gay people have their own movies in
0: 1999? Like what? In the UK, and in uh, Japan and a lot of Europe, the rating system would have given this a, a lower rating, very likely, because it doesn't have any violence. It has uh, very little sexuality. Um, no nudity? Yeah. No nudity. And the sex scene is very tender and, like, loving. Yeah. Like, it's
1: really I love that and song.
0: It, it, it's mostly engaging with sex on a... Um, Emotional level, and it feels very much like a movie that like uh, should have been put in front of thirteen year olds who would need it most, right? As opposed to seventeen year olds, yeah. And I'm wondering if if it had hit that audience, it would have uh, been reviewed better. No,
2: I yeah. I don't think so. So, so um. it, it is it is it is worth noting though. Like I I want to be clear. Like I'm not just like saying that. So these are like writers that you know of and are not like the worst writers. So like Stephanie. Uh, Zacharek, who writes for Salon like well-known critic, she wrote at the time that, uh, said that with regards to issues of sexual orientation, homophobia uh, Babbitt is preaching to the converted Cynthia Fuchs Agrees, saying that no one who is phobic might recognize himself in the film and that the audience who might benefit most from watching it either won't see the film or won't see the point. And David Edelstein said yes. that the one-sidedness of the film creates a lack of dramatic tension and calls it lazy counter-propaganda.
1: It's crazy. So- David Edelstein's review was nuts. I am so glad you brought that up. I was going to. The headline of this review is heterophobia, and he basically argues he's like, well, if we made a movie about straight people that was this stereo, or about gay people that was this stereotypical, we would call it bigotry. So this is bigotry. And it's like, not all straight characters are running a gay conversion camp, dude. Like,
2: that... Yeah, these are writers, but these, you're right, these are writers for Slate, for Salon, reviewing this movie. Like, these are not like, it's not like fucking some weird local Fox News affiliate or one of those weird, like, and like, They were they are literally saying that because this like because this movie does not function as something that homophobic straight people could watch and start to maybe go, oh, maybe maybe I shouldn't be so homophobic that the movie is failing. Like, oh, like I like what? What the fuck? It shows you how
0: mentally broken uh, centrism is. The idea that you not only uh, need to be the minority and you need to be um, pushed aside, but also if you make a piece of art, you better you better be catering to me, as right? Straight, to. of course, right? And it's like, no, there's
1: no acknowledgement that like it's good to have like positive, happy, romantic comedies for the queer set. Like, no, there's they don't see value in that because it's not for them. Someone on the dissolve watched it and said they didn't actually love it that much, but they were like, but they're queer and they were like, you know what? I respect that this movie does not pander to straights whatsoever. This is a movie made by queer people for queer people. So I was yeah. really pleasantly surprised that my parents actually wanted to rewatch it. They had seen it before. I was like, you guys are so great.
0: Um, so I watched it. I watched it a bunch of years ago and I just remember it being like a cute comedy. I love Natasha Lyonne. Yeah. So I was just like, I was like, you know, it's not as good as slums of Beverly Hills, but you know, it's cute. And I think in the, it, I think at the time, in the, uh, you know, cultural, political context, I would have, I-, I needed something with a stronger hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and now it just felt so refreshing because, like, this is the sort of stuff that we're, we, we beg for when we talk about, like, we just want representation. We just want... Right, a happy <laughs> ending like, also. A happy ending, a few movies, a, a few movies for for the gang. Right. A few movies for us. It doesn't have to be, not everyone has to be, uh, blue is the warmest color. Not every, everyone has to be, uh, a Brokeback Mountain. We can also just have like, fun little comedies. Right. That's, that's, yeah. And I was also going to say like,
1: um, you know, from a violence perspective, what you were saying, um, about the ratings and stuff. Um, I think the most, I think there is a violent part of this movie, but it's not a part that anyone would ever censor. And I think that's the part where, Um, that girl who has a crush on Graham, who's not Megan, um, I think her, is she Siobhan? Um, she's, she's like that goth girl is how she's masturbating and shocking herself, um, to, in an attempt to, you know, practice aversion therapy. That scene is really disturbing. Um, but it it would never get like a ratings bump really. And if it did, it would probably be more about the masturbating than the shocking. Right. Like, (laughs) so, um, yeah, that scene, I never, I never forget that part. And I sort of like, dread that part of the movie just because i find it sort of painful to watch in a in a still very effective way but just uh back to colors for a second i had forgotten that there mm-hmm. were um there was like a purple room and a green room too i just remembered pink and blue um but i was delighted that there was a purple room and then when i don't really know why the girls got to wear green for a scene and be in the green room um, it doesn't really seem like it goes with the lessons i think they were just like having so much fun with the with the um, total, like, monotone, um, you know, sets and, and outfits. But um, I still think it's really fabulous and fun.
2: Well, and the other thing with the production design, besides even just the coloring, like, the opening of this movie of, like, the, the suburban, like, town and houses and the way that everyone kind of behaves and acts, it actually really reminded me of, uh, have you guys seen the movie Parents? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where where the parents are like alien bugs who eat people, um, and it really it really just feels very like cultish or like my parents are aliens and stuff like that. And and as I was as I was thinking about, it, I'm like, oh, that's that's I don't know if they they meant to do that, but yeah, like if if you. In a lot of ways, like that kind of like white, cis, yeah. straight, middle class lifestyle, like fucking is a cult. They're like, this is how we behave, and anyone that falls out of it is to be ostracized. And like, so like, it it really it it evokes that so easily because at the end of the day, like it, it kind of is that, yeah referring to
0: the fact that i called this movie slight but powerful like a cheerleader <laughs> i i i think that i think that's that's the context i view this movie through is that you could watch it it could kind of wash over you you'd be like that was a that was a cute movie with a good message uh, you could be like it's oh, kind of slight like you know there's not really there's not really much punch to it there's not much bite to it but it sneaks up on you. Its power sneaks up on yeah. you, and particularly like the last scene where Natasha Leone presents who she is in front of everyone. She she didn't give up being a cheerleader. She just accepted who the other half of her the 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 half that is half cheerleader, is half lesbian. No. I didn't. Because in a weird way, the cheerleader is as as non-negotiable as the lesbianism, right? Like, that's one of the great parts about her getting to, like, uh, dad gaze uh, to kind of back her up, um, which we'll get to that. Um, She gets basically, like two fathers that she should have had in the first place. Right. Um, but she, she, she has this wonderful, beautiful moment where she just performs this little dance. It's not, it's not stretched out too far. The music doesn't beat the moment on too long. It's not, it's not cheesy. It makes you a little uncomfortable because of how earnest it is, but in a very sweet way. Similar to of that scene in 10 uh, things I hate about you that we referenced, um, and it, it's just a great, like, I love you scene. And it could seem slight, I think, to straight audiences in particular. But I think given the sociopolitical context that you watch this movie in now, it, it, it gets so powerful because you think about you're like, oh, they are making a sacrifice. Like, yeah, they're going to have to fight for money because they both gave up the comfort of, of that of, uh, you know, parents with uh, economic uh, stability. And, you know, some uh, benefits to provide. They probably have to wait for their parents to either come around or just. They're have probably going to run away. Or non existent experience. Yeah. yeah. They're running away, and, like, it's basically like, will they fix the relationship with their parents? I don't know. Like, that's what makes the moment more powerful is because they're not making a sacrifice. Like, they're, they're trading in shitty boyfriends or shitty girlfriends for each other. Right. They're trading in, like,. their support systems. They're all their support systems to be who they are. So, like, Yeah, at the ending could be fit into the context of you know any older any nineties rom com ending like things I hate about you, but but when you put it in an actual sociopolitical context, it's so it's so powerful.
1: Yeah, because it's it's the declaration of love, and with every declaration of love of every orientation, what you're risking is you're making yourself vulnerable and being so earnest. Uh, But then, in addition to that, you're put you are at least you're going up there. Knowing that you're sacrificing your family and that you don't know if they're going to support you or not. And honestly, if you're at that camp, I think signs are good that they're not. And we talked about the Flag flag and how realistic it is or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, w- I would also just um, – a movie came out last year, The Miseducation of Cameron Post, which is also at a gay yes. conversion camp. That movie is serious. But it it's also it's also a little slight. Um, I think it's actually a little more slight than this one. Uh, even though it's not a comedy, um, comedies are movies too. Um, uh, but that also ends with the queer teenagers in the back of a truck driving away to like to like yeah. their uncertain futures without support systems.
2: Yeah, that I that movie very very good. Yeah, I like it too. As as someone who uh who has talked pos- I think we've uh both Peter and I and Carrie was our guest. Oh, yeah. We talked ab- about the movie Carrie, the remake Carrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, the first thing I uh, did after seeing that movie was text uh, Carrie and Peter and say, uh, who says she's a bad actor again? I don't know when, where that came from. Because, like,
1: I mean, except for, like, that Jezebel column. But, like, I had not even heard that Chloe Grace Moretz was a bad actor. She's great. Yeah,
2: she's so, she's so good. She's
1: great. And, you know, in yeah, that I'm one, sure. though, her character is a little thin, too. Like the other characters are maybe a little bit more interesting. I don't know. Maybe.
2: Well, but that's kind of like that's protagonist that, that, that goes with this movie yes. too. Yeah, like it's it's also like because she is like
1: the ingenue. <laughs> she,
2: yeah, and she's the one who's like having to learn about herself yeah. through everyone else. Sometimes, very like you know, the, we already kind of talked about the scene where she's like, "I just that uh, yeah, I think about uh, cheerleaders while I kiss my boyfriend." That's what all everyone does. Like she, she was like she was being defined by her family and her society as, like, a straight person. And then she's kind of being defined by the camp as a gay person. And she's, like, learning that she's gay. And then she, like, has to learn through uh, kind of coming to understand herself, like, who she is as a person.
1: Yeah. And then if you notice, she asks um, the two, you know— gay foster dads running the like um you know halfway house for for yes. One Direction remakes um she asks them to teach her how to be a lesbian and they say I can't teach you how to do that um and then there's also a great moment I with a with a mug that I had never noticed before where they say like oh you'll figure out who you are while they hand her a mug that says gay and it's almost like a punchline you'll figure out who you are oh. gay
0: <laughs> like- it says queer on it oh
1: it says queer yeah so i i really appreciated that
0: yeah that was a, that was a funny moment i love i love how weird that moment is because because uh, up until this point it's like a slightly exaggerated version of reality yeah. like gay g- gay conversion camps aka uh abuse gay kids camps are uh send your children pay to have your children be abused camps they are absurd yeah like the lesson plans they go through like they are obviously laughable that's why there hasn't been uh a jesus camp for them for that particular experience is because um the people who run these camps well a they they know stuff like jesus camp does turn the tide yeah but b like they kind i think they know that all this shit is like ridiculous um they're just kind of profiteers off of suffering and bigotry. Yeah,
1: um, I also think that there's, you know, with Megan's innocence, um, it's interesting. It's it's strange to grow up as a as a woman in our society that sexualizes women to such a degree. I can only speak as a bisexual woman, but there's a there's a way that society just constantly frames women as sex objects that also affects women, right? Like we're not, we don't watch men as sex objects the way that men watch women as sex objects const- constantly. We watch women as sex objects as well because it conditions us to like really value, you know, appearance. So, you know, it, there's a way that like women are eroticized for everyone, um, just like in like all ad campaigns and like most entertainment. So, um it makes sense to me that she would think that she's supposed to think about cheerleaders. Like there's a way in which society defines sexuality as um, like, like, like women are driven to seek approval to such an extent about how they look through sex, that that's what sex becomes to them is about if they look good enough and it becomes more about women than men. Um, So I, I don't know. I, that just occurred to me this time around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's there is uh, the the movie has clearly a lot of ideas about how gender norms work and how they differ between men and women and how it's uh, sex is the spectrum. It's not just about. Um, Straight cis people who act uh, either masculine or feminine, depending on their men, uh, men or women, respectively, or uh, gay people who act based off stereoty- uh, gay people who ba- act based off stereotypes that they have. But it loves to play with the stereotypes, right? Like Natasha Leone is not asked to give up um, her her um, she, Natasha Lyonne is not asked to give up her cheerleader part of her personality at the end. She's not asked to give up this like pretty pink uh bouncy fun thing and in favor for like a gay stereotype right like um that she's she she doesn't come in the last scene wearing flannel or something Right. right yeah um she does have Melissa Etheridge poster, but that's just because Melissa Etheridge is great. Right, um, that's what I assume. That's just because she's a human being with a beating heart. Right, um,
1: right. <laughs> she has ears, okay? <laughs> like a, yeah. like we all do.
0: <laughs> that scene is really great where they're like, they're just oh, confronting her. With about, the vegetarianism um, her... too, right? Oh, yes, because I love, I love all those specific things they call out because it actually, it tells you very early on as someone who might be a little skeptical about like, uh, the 90s making a comedy about gay, gay, the gay struggle because like, I don't know, I saw Chasing Amy and I wasn't that impressed. Um, uh, kind of a different person making that movie. Yes, yes, but... For ten or fifteen years, I was told like this is this is the movie that changed my mind about all this stuff, and I was like, "Good, I'm glad you're not an asshole anymore." Oh, but this movie sucks still.
2: That's what all the that's what all the critics were talking about. They wanted a a movie that makes homophobic man happy, which is, I guess, chasing Amy based. On... Yeah. Uh, so, anyway.
1: guys, chasing Amy helped me come out of the closet. Chasing Amy is a movie that is deeply critical of Ben Affleck's character. Just watch it with that lens. The reason that people think I I think if you if you don't assume that the man is the main character and you look at it through Alyssa's eyes, it's a very good movie.
2: So here's my, here's my thing. on chasing Amy. Uh, I, I do. It's probably Kevin Smith's best movie, uh, that I still kind of like. And also I like making fun of Kevin Smith cause I don't like him.
1: Oh, you don't like Kevin Smith. Oh, I think Kevin Smith, um, got psychologically healthy and stopped making good movies, but, um, I'm happy for him.
0: Yeah. I, I, it has a Tim Burton thing where I'm oh, like, yeah, I'm like, do you just you just smile more and you seem calmer? Are
1: you still gonna give us the goods? Right, like I'm really happy you dealt with those demons, but I sort of miss them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love, I, I loved. Um, there was a. We should get back to the movie in a second, but I loved. I was reading an interview with someone who was like, um, it was a younger artist being interviewed by an older artist. I don't think it was one of those A24 uh, podcasts, but it was it was something similar. And they were saying, "Well, what if I like get happy and it ruins my art?" And they're like, "Then you get happy, fucking right. fucking move on. Go t- if you're happy, go do anything. Go build a log right. cabin somewhere. Like you won't be happy. I know, <laughs> I know." <laughs> um, but uh, so getting back to the to the to the movie, that scene where that scene where we get to we get to see um, the. The scene where we get to see her family confronting her over all the gay stereotypes, um, even though, in the way it's kind of mixed up, like, V- like vegetarianism isn't necessarily like a, a lesbian stereotype anymore. It was just like the idea that she was, you know, at the time they were just identifying that, and like the fact that she doesn't like making out with her boyfriend, but her boyfriend is clearly marked as being shitty at making out. Yeah, I <laughs> like yeah. All, all, all that stuff is just so funny because it, it helps make the movie feel more alive, and it's it's not that makes that tells me the movie is not leaning into gay stereotypes in a way that I think is um, actually bad for the
2: culture yeah well i actually don't think it's leaning into them at all i think it's it's making fun of the way that these things have been assigned to be like gay or straight or feminine or masculine by like what they are which is why i think the that that scene where they're just listing stuff is like like vegetarianism yeah. or veganism or whatever as like quote unquote gay is like it's like what do you, how can not eating like right. that is such a like uh, a Damaging concept that these just these things that are totally unrelated to sex right. in any way or sexual identity or gender identity or anything have been like ascribed, uh, not just like a gendered, uh, uh, be, not, it's not just ascribed a gender, it's ascribed like an orientation. And and like I think that's what's so funny and like smart about the roots where they're all listing their roots which are um like and i i wish i would have uh, wrote down more of them but it's like oh i was born in paris yeah and like and everyone like understands you, like it's funny to the audience cuz you understand the idea of like being born in the city of paris is like a gay thing to ha- to be like even though like of course, that doesn't make any fucking sense. But the reason why it's funny to the audience, or like that, those, those, the, that list of like 10 things that people say is like recognizable to the audience is that, like, yeah, these are things that our society has decided, like, uh, follow one's orientation or, or gender or another. And, and I think that's, that's why the, all the stuff about like this concept of, that the the movie's playing with that like the way that this 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 camp has decided to deal with people being of an orientation they don't like is like you know you to to overcome you being born in Paris, the only way to get past that is to like chop wood. Because chopping wood is a man, it's a straight man thing. And so if you chop wood enough Like, which, again, is not an activity that has a orientation or or a gender. But if you do that, then you will get over this other thing that doesn't have an orientation or a gender, which is being born in Paris. And, like, I think, like, I was very surprised at how much the movie had to say in this, like, very clever, funny way about all of that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's basically a list of, like, things conservative people don't like. Right. it yeah. That's basically they're just like putting everything in one bucket and it's to make you understand that these people are clueless and have no idea what they're talking about. And I think it's a joke where it's like, you know, um, I think the, the joke is written in a way that it's like it's written for other people who might not be gay, who might be those things and find that hilarious. Right. Like all the straight vegetarians out there watching or whatever will be like, oh, man.
2: You know. But the only reason it's funny is because, like, you know that that's what people yeah, think. Yeah, that's true. Like, the The joke wouldn't have worked if it's, like, drive monster Right, right. Because you would go, huh. Like, I've never heard that associated with anything. I mean, that may be associated with, like, some masculine bullshit. But, but like, the reason the joke works for everyone watching is because even if you recognize how ridiculous of a concept that, like – activities and and like places and other things have a gender orientation associated with them uh the the fact is like we get that those are funny jokes because that is what people think
1: yeah and also right like there it's one of those things where you're like oh i bet probably statistically if you look at queer people and you look at all straight people including conservatives like yeah maybe there is a higher incidence of vegetarians in the queer community but that has more to do with the amount of pressure that the conservatives place on people to fit in an extremely narrow box and the amount of negativity exactly. they have towards all of these lifestyles. Right. Like, and it's also just funny. Cause it's like, you know, when it, we refer to like the gay lifestyle, like, like vegetarianism is a lifestyle thing actually, like more clearly than like who you're having sex with almost, you know, it's like every meal. I don't know. That seems much more lifestyley to me than yeah, than sex. People eat
2: more than they have sex. <laughs> just like,
1: it just like it just seems very lifestyle. Yeah, it just seems like very homey, you know, like what you're doing at home and not as much sexual. Um, how hilarious is Natasha Leone uh, when she is looking like she does not want to kiss her boyfriend while they're kissing? Because that is very funny to me.
0: It's a good way bad she- kiss. The way she balances, like, I'm a pleasant person, so I smile all the time, and uh, I really don't want to do this, and also this is my duty is, like, she just nails all the weird little tones in between. Like, I hate this and I'm supposed to look happy.
1: Right. And it's like, nothing says that I'm not enjoying a kiss. Like someone with their eyes open during the kiss.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like she just has a, like, she almost has like her watch open behind her Right, head,
1: right, like, right. When is this? Oh,
0: uh, 60 seconds ought to be yeah, good. All right. Right.
2: Well, in some ways too, like, I don't even know if you could say that she hates it because Like she doesn't enjoy it and like not the way you're supposed to enjoy a kiss, but like based on her, the way that like this has been defined for her, she thinks that's just what this is. Like for her, kissing is something you do that is like, that's what it is. It's not fun. It's not hateful. It's just like you do this thing and then you like while you're doing it, you picture girls and like and like that's just what kissing is to her. Like the good parts of kissing have never been shown, so like, you know, that's that's what's so funny about that scene where she's like, "That's this is how it is for everyone, right?" And everyone has to be like, "No," like, like, and she is literally like, "Oh, interesting." Uh, I thought that that's what kissing was for everyone. It's almost like a like a uh, weird version of the the old color paradox, right? Like, what what is when you kiss, what do you feel, right?
1: Yeah, and she, she might have even thought... I mean, she's so, like, sort of a late bloomer in terms of, like, realizing her sexuality. She might have just been like, hey, I'm really into cheerleading. I cannot stop thinking about cheerleaders. Like, you get that impression.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I know that we're kind of running out of time here, and there's a lot to talk about, uh, but the, the we have actually, I feel like, uh, covered a good good swath of this movie. Um, I'll, I'll say one more thing, and then if you guys have any other... Uh, moments or things you want to call out before we move on to final thoughts. We can do that. Um, I just want to say how much I enjoy, I like the music. In yeah, this me too. Movie. Like I find it both melancholy in all the right ways. And like, it has a very, like, I, I don't think I've heard any of the songs before, although, but I did add a playlist I found on Spotify to like, I, I liked it or whatever. So I could listen to it later because it it has that perfect type of like uh nineties, indie or somewhat rock music that like feels very close to the stuff that kind of got big in the mid 90s but then it's like not quite that but also evokes this like nostalgia for for like uh a type of music that doesn't exist as much anymore or at least
1: yeah not not, not in the same way like this so Lil, yeah, the so. little Fair stuff sort of
2: too yeah like it really like it, it It it's almost like a phantom nostalgia because i all the songs sounded f- so familiar to like a certain place in time even though i hadn't heard any songs but they also like that yeah the song when they're when they're having sex and uh is like great and i think they use that at the end of the movie too like it kind of comes back around I love it. and even all the little strings and instrumental stuff is really good like i really i was surprised how much i was like uh, I rarely go and add, like, a, find, like, a soundtrack or a Spotify playlist after watching a movie, and I did for this.
1: Definitely. And, no, I loved it, too. It's so well done. Like, everything, like, it's not just, like, the acting and the writing. Like, everything is so well done. Give, I can't believe it got slammed for, um, you know, the set design, uh, because it's, like, give the costume designers and the set designers, like, a million dollars all the time, because it's so
2: good. It is weird that, like, this, I can see going this movie and going, uh, like Peter said, like when he saw it when he was 19 uh that it felt a little slight and maybe not as funny or as like uh edgy as he thought it was going to be but like i am surprised at the level of uh hate directed at this movie yeah like, it's
1: almost like it, for not- it's almost like some critics have some pretty fragile masculinity
2: issues there uh well and it wasn't yeah it wasn't just uh male critics either like critics are still overwhelmingly men and Oh yeah, hundred percent. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to not all. I'm not trying to do that or anything like that. I was actually just surprised at how many critics were so fucking angry at this movie, and it wasn't like a specific type that I could find.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, everyone, David Edelstein's review is just outrageously bad.
2: And I, I read the whole thing, and I was angry. There is a part that he uh, says that he couldn't agree more with the the, the characters in this movie. But, uh but that he's never disliked a movie more like he really is like
1: yeah he it really inspired a rage in his heart i
2: i just don't understand
0: but anyways. yeah i think that was like a thing i think that was like a thing that people used to um used to fixate on when they were like they were like you know i don't i don't care what the movie's political message is as long as as long as it's well told and it's like buddy. Right. We are well beyond that. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. No, definitely. It's sort of it's like it's like saying some of my best friends are black before you say something super racist.
0: <laughs> like the it's like saying the filmmaking in Birth of a Nation is really great, so the movie is great. No qualifications on <laughs> <Yeah>. that
2: one, <laughs> right? Well, you know, no one would have figured out editing, unless <laughs> <laughs> Birth of a Nation. So I'm sorry. Uh, the only way that you can watch Michael Bay action movies is uh, is to have this super racist thing that literally revived the Ku Klux Klan in this country. So I'm sorry if you like uh, quicker cuts. Than used to be there. Oh, it needed
1: racism to motivate film editing. It never would have happened otherwise.
2: Never would have happened. But I guess my my final thought is that I'm so glad that we did this movie. Uh, like again, a movie I've been aware of for 20 years without like uh, until until a few years after that, like really recognizing what it was. But it was it's it's definitely a movie I probably would have just been added to. Oh, I need to check that out. Some. Sometimes. So I'm so glad you brought this on the show. Uh, And we've done so many different types of movies this month. Uh, This is such a fun month to do. And uh, this is such a perfect way to end it.
1: Bound is incredible. I love Bound so much. Bound is the only movie where I like I violence just doesn't really do anything for me in movies. Bound is the only movie I've ever felt that mm, empowered by violence.
2: (laughs) Yeah and 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 that does have a very happy ending but it it still has a little more hard edge this really does feel like a like a sweet and like, yeah, like I was I was like choked up at parts of this and I wasn't expecting that Aww. when I got to like the the parents type opening John Waters type opening like it is amazing what a sweet centers at this movie while still being very funny and interesting and even like deeper from what it has to say that I was expecting. So uh, I'm really glad, glad we got a chance to talk about this and uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see myself watching this this movie a couple more times. Uh, and it's under ninety minutes. Yeah, it's so short. Is. Peter, what are what are your final thoughts? Then we'll let Joey wrap her up. Um, my final thoughts are actually not about the movie.
0: The movie is is a, a wonderful, fun little compact comedy that has a lot of very smart uh, co- comedic politics And the way that it it confers about uh, about the way the world works is is, is really um, deceptively clever. For it, it's sort of candy-coated outside. But my final thought is, it's not the movie. It's it's that I want to... This is the end of the month. And I wanted to thank all of our awesome guests for coming on and bringing your own personal stories and bringing your own movies that, that meant something to you. Because, like, truly... I mean, it's it's obvious it's stupidly obvious. I shouldn't even say it, but like that we couldn't have done this month without you guys and like it, we wouldn't have done this month without you guys. There's there's um, there's a great power in what you guys brought here. And I'm just so glad at, to have, have gotten some some of your guys's time and some of your guys's uh, um, emotional energy and and to just get a peek inside. Um, some people that we really, really love, uh, Brains. So thank, you, so thank much. you, everyone, for coming on.
2: Yeah, and I, I can't imagine we won't be in a situation where we do this next year, too, because I know there was a lot of other choices out there, and this was this was something that Peter and I were both uh, really looking for. I think we had the idea last October and then didn't tell anyone for a long time, and then you guests knew for a while. Uh, so And actually, it's funny because we're recording this the week the first episode is going to drop yes. because we've been a little bit ahead. So we actually haven't heard the reaction to people listening to any of these, So uh, but we're – so i'm I'm still kind of frothing with anticipation of of excitement for once these start getting released out, and uh, because they've been so good, uh, and yeah, I can't imagine a situation where we don't do something similar or the exact same thing <laughs> next June as well. so this this has been great.
1: I will get my summer of love on this podcast. You heard it here first. <laughs> 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 um yeah, so I guess yeah, I'll just um go through some of the things i I definitely wanted to mention. Oh, um, I've sort of been hinting at this a lot, but um, I think that the main character of Megan is a little thin, but I think that the gravitas of counterintuitively casting Natasha Lyonne brings a lot of heft to the character. And I loved that because to me, from my California brain, her Jersey accent makes her sound very tough and hearted. And most of the characters she would go on to play are like that. So to me, there's a wonderful dichotomy there and and it brings heft to... Um, a pretty naive character in a way that i really love um uh okay um i noticed this time that literally like the blocking like everyone is standing in like a sexual position all the time basically like what with brick like rubbing the broom and you know the football scenes of people behind other people um in the sexual simulation also um uh, Brick, who's the son of Kathy Moriarty's character, um, is basically doing push-ups when he's practicing thrusting in this in the sexual situation. Um, we didn't talk enough about how great Clea Duvall is as Graham. Um, uh, it's worth noting that she went on to direct a film that I don't know the name of that Natasha Leone starred in. So they're so they're still friends. Um, one of the routes I really loved was um, the traumatic bris. I had a traumatic bris, so I'm or brie uh, I'm bad at, at pronouncing um, Jewish tradition words. Um, um, I Oh, did you guys see uh, the sign in the background? Silly faggot, dicks are for chicks. Based on silly rabbit, tricks are for kids.
0: That was a joke that I heard in junior high or whatever. Oh, really? U- under 14, yeah. I
1: would never heard it. The only one I ever heard um, – uh was um people would be like oh no gay works like happy happy joy joy gay or kissy kissy with a boy gay this rhyme only makes sense if you assume everyone's a man but um Uh, (laughs) but yeah uh, it's not very good yeah um
0: that's my full review
1: julie delpy's here what we didn't talk about that at all that's weird she's just randomly in the cocksucker bar um but she looks great she's way older than them but like i'll let it slide
0: um yeah in this context yeah it's
1: fine i feel like julie delpy actually would be like a wonderful like lesbian mentor to maybe have your first lesbian sexual experience with um and i uh and and when they get back from sneaking out the cocksucker um one of the sweetest parts is they sneak back in and they run back into their beds and then um as soon as they get checked on um, by like Kathy Moriarty or something, Graham comes over and gives her a little peck before running back to her bed. And it's really super sweet.
0: Uh, yeah, I got, I got one of the, uh, one of those, uh, full on, like, turned a little like red kind of moments out of that. That was, that was very, it was super sweet. And that's like just when
1: the movie is starting to get like super, like starting to turn from like really broad comedy to like more sweetness mixed in. Um, at one point, Andre says shit like they do on The Wire. So that's a weird reference on The Wire that's there. <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed. I had never <laughs> noticed that before on previous watches. Um, I just thought it was funny. Uh, and then also, I just want to give a shout out to the line. I guess I'll end on this one. Um, I just really liked when um, Andre, I think, gets expelled. And then someone tells him he he's sexy. Like another one of the like obviously gay guys – and he says, the last thing I need is some guy who just proved he's straight, telling me how sexy I am. And it's just like <laughs> the, the way he delivered
2: the line is just like incredible. <laughs> no, that's, uh, I remember that's very yes. funny.
1: So that's but I'm a cheerleader.
2: Yes. Thank
0: you so well, much for bringing this. this yeah. was I said earlier this month that we got an, an amazing mix. We got like a avant-garde art movie. We got uh, a pulpy you know, sort of old school. Noir. We got a big, like, uh, seemingly just like a big, uh, silly, candy coated kind of thing. And then we also got a coming of age indie, almost like an indie thriller, indie horror experience. But yeah, you know, we watched a bunch of, of films that covered the spectrum of, of uh what film could be and i'm so glad that everyone brought like different kinds of movies because all of this all of all of this stuff um what how gender plays into the human experience how what makes us uh what oh what makes us horny and why it matters Um, (laughs) like uh, what how we want to express our gender to the world or not express our gender to the world like all that stuff is is is, is, it's way too it's way too hard to boil down into a few shitty late 90s stand-up jokes and i so i'm i'm super happy with the diversity and, and the uh, wealth of knowledge and experience that our guests got to bring to us. So thank you again, everyone for, for coming on this month. And thank you very much, Joey, for coming on for this episode. Cause you're right here. So I can thank you. directly. Yes. Uh,
1: and yeah. And um, I think that's like a victory in and of itself is that like, it's a good sign that we have like so many different genres of films depicting different parts of this experience.
2: Yeah. Do you have anything to promote?
1: Uh, as always, my Twitter account is at movie equations. Um, I just you know when movies remind me of combinations of other movies I make a little equation of it and then I tweet it out Um, sometimes celebrities interact with it like Jill Hennessy like retweeted it once because I noticed her character was a little bit like um, the girlfriend of everyone in a boxing movie the the SNL sketch anyway that's not important so follow me at movie equations and on Letterboxd I have like 700 reviews um, because I write a review almost every day I write like 5 reviews a week just because I love doing it um uh just joey lee j-o-e-y l-e-e and then while i was watching this movie i was actually reminded um one of my best friends is like an independent singer songwriter Naughty vogel and he has a really and he's queer and he has a really great song um that i was reminded of when at one point rock is um sipping from a straw that's really curly while they're talking about how straight they are um so my friend Naughty has a song um called straight that goes i'm straight like an angle straight like a well shit i'm gonna forget the song now straight like a circle straight like the evening news so i told him um to put it on soundcloud um so that i could promote it so just uh look for my friend nati vogel's um song straight on soundcloud which he promises to get up before this episode airs
2: and that is all uh awesome yeah we will we'll throw a link to that in the show oh great notes. yeah yeah um oh but yeah thank you so much yeah thank you so much for coming on again will it's your third time fourth time another vet yes Uh, so we got to get you that other vest. Like I said, we got a vest warehouse. All
1: right. That's great. That's great for my gay life. Like, vests are big in the lesbian community, so. (laughs)
0: Perfect. (laughs) Um, And you could be the pioneer that has two vests. Double the
1: girl action, I feel.
2: Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, but we do, we have a new uh, month to announce, but actually, Peter, whoa, two months to announce? Because... Uh, Peter and I uh, decided – so we're, we're going to tackle something that kind of helped bring Peter and I together as uh, friends uh, and uh, and eventually podcast co-hosts, which is our bonding over uh, how much we enjoy Lovecraftian horror wow. specifically. And so we're, we're doing July and August, our first ever foray into doing a supersized uh, theme month. So that there has yeah, to be the, a little S month on the is end. Thick. Yeah. Oh, it's a thick. It's a thick boy. <laughs> yeah. Thick, thick month. Uh, it's two months. It's July and August, and we're doing a summer of Lovecraft. Aw. Which um, uh, Peter, after I said let's do it, let's do summer of Lovecraft, he goes, oh yeah, where'd you come up with the name? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, because it's like a pun, and I did not realize that it was a pun. <laughs> uh, instead, I just was like, "Well, it's gonna be summer, and we're talking about love." And your subconscious is very funny. <laughs> yeah, very. Your yeah. brain doesn't uh, even consciously know it. not so much.
0: Yeah, conscious is a little iffy, but the subconscious it puts stuff together. There's in some ways things in there, good. yeah.
2: So, um, so we'll we'll go through them all relatively quickly. Uh, And we're actually doing a lot of double features, too, to fit in as much as possible. So we're doing eight episodes on this. Uh, We're starting uh, next week, which is the only one I can definitively say is next week. Yeah, it has to Uh, be the first. Yeah, it, which is we're going to be covering uh, Lovecraft, Fear of the Unknown, which is a documentary about uh, Lovecraft's writing in his life, uh, and we're also going to use it. We're not going to actually talk that much about the movie. The movie is very interesting if you want. Like it's on YouTube. Uh, the documentary is pretty well produced. It gives a good primer on a lot of his stuff if you haven't read some of his stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna use that opportunity to talk about uh, Lovecraft as a person and some of our thoughts there. Uh, and how, how racism intermingles how. with
0: his text, and yeah. uh, how how he, his his strange fear of the unknown, uh, even if it was shit that was pretty pretty basic. Like some cultures are different than yours, buddy. Yeah. Um, even your own, his own culture was scary to him. He was just a very frightened yeah. man. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so he super racist. he was a dude from he was a dude from Rhode Island who was scared of fish. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of a lot like more uh, intro to the
2: summer kind of content. Yeah, so we will mention the movie. I'm going to rewatch that just a refresher. Uh, I'm going to try to read. I've I've read a l- some of his stuff, um, and I'm going to try to read a few more of the big ones that I missed. So we'll talk a little bit about his writing, his life, and like why Peter and I uh, like appreciate at the very least like like the way his horror kind of speaks to us in a weird way. And I think some of it will probably come up that we used to be very young Catholic boys. Yeah. And, and like the, the concept of, I think the eternity and the cosmos and gods being not as friendly as we've been told to believe is something that like is a specific horror that speaks to the way I was probably raised from a religious standpoint. So, uh, that's, that's going to be a lot of that. And then we're going to get into the movies. Uh, this is also kind of a stealth Stuart Gordon. Um, yeah, uh, we're, not gonna, as well. we're not going to want a lot of the the Stranger Stuart Gordon stuff. No, but we are doing so we're doing not just like Lovecraft because it is supersized. We're doing some stuff that's uh, not just adaptations of his work, but some tangential stuff. So uh, we are going to be doing Reanimator and Bride of Reanimator as a double episode with uh, Luana, who just was on this month. So we're very excited about that. Uh, We're going to be doing The Resurrected and the Color of Outer Space, a double feature with uh, Rick Kelly. We're going to be doing Dagon and uh, the Masters of Horror episode uh, uh, Dreams in a Witch House with uh, longtime missing guest, Brandon Ledet. But we found him and he's back and we're excited to talk to him. Uh, We're going to be doing uh, uh, single episodes on um, From Beyond. And then another episode on The Mist... Uh and as I as I had literally accidentally closed my giant list here. Uh okay, I think I think I said oh, we're doing uh then we're doing a double feature of so the Lovecraft Historical Society has produced two films. So another episode will be uh their their uh both their Call of Cthulhu, which was they so they made two films in the style of movies when they were released, when the when the short stories were released. So Call of Cthulhu, if you don't know, is this fifty minute silent film that they made or that looks like a, uh, that, that's really interesting. And Whisperer in the Darkness is like a 1930s type uh, film noir that they they made. Uh, so both are, I, I've actually seen Call of Cthulhu a few times. I have been saving Whisperer in the Darkness. And then I don't know if we're going to end the month on this, but we're actually doing, instead of an episode of We Love to Watch, we're going to do an episode of Don't You Dare, like a pilot, a pre-pilot episode with guest Andrew Dar. Where instead of talking about movies, we're gonna talk about the actual Lovecraft thing that brought Peter and I together that has been referenced probably way too much on this show, which is Bloodborne, which is the video game inspired by uh Lovecraft that I feel relatively confident saying is my favorite video game of all time, and probably and I feel even more confidently saying the best adaptation of Lovecraft uh horror themes into any sort of medium. So we're not gonna like go through level by level or like recommend like uh, upgrade your sauce beard to plus ten. We're gonna be talking primarily about uh, the story and why uh, it was a perfect Lovecraft thing to obsess over. Uh, but I think Peter and I are gonna try to replay as much of it as possible before as well. So uh, that was a lot. I think I listed like fifteen things. Did it all make sense to you, Peter? <laughs> Uh check. Yeah, yeah. My head is definitely not
0: spinning into into chaos. Uh, I'm definitely not uh, gradually dipping into madness. The idea that we're just going to focus on this all summer. Uh, but what's fun is we've done we've had a very we've had a very um like wild. 2019 we've done a lot of we've done a lot of stuff that's both in our wheelhouse outside of our wheelhouse we've talked about a lot of topics that we have not covered and this i think is going to be like a drill down like we're getting in into this into some stuff that we really need to like we really need to knock out and we've been wanting to do since the show began and i i we wanted to do something real indulgent so
2: yeah this is so yeah not only because as we were like let's do eight weeks and then we decided that all the titles we wanted to do didn't fit into eight weeks so we're we're just doubling up episodes but part of that is because some of these movies like the resurrected or the color of outer space are definitely worth talking about for 45 minutes not necessarily worth talking about for an hour and a half to two hours each so that's why like uh and then stuff like from beyond and the mist that we really want to devote a whole episode to like they've been given a little more space but that's kind of That's kind of why we decided to, A, cram as much in as we can, but also recognizing that, you know, Lovecraft, for someone who is so influential as a whole to the horror genre, uh, hasn't exactly had a great track record of adaptations made from his actual stories. And the ones that are really good usually diverge pretty heavily.
0: I don't know if any of them really leaned into the racism the way he did. I don't know if any of them did. So
2: No. I think um, they wisely, they wisely cut it all out. Yeah, <laughs> they
0: they were like, "We like your imagery, and uh, please stop talking."
2: So that's what you have in store with you. We'll, we'll we'll probably just go through the rest of the summer announcing whatever's coming up next week. Uh, Peter and I literally spent forty five minutes uh, last night on the phone walking through when we were recording all of these uh, because we also have a busy summer. Peter's getting Ooh. married. Aaron's going to the Maldives. Both of these include our fiancés and our wives. Um,
0: <laughs> you so, made it sound like you made it sound like we were going on my honeymoon with
2: you and your wife. And no, Molly's. Also, yeah, Molly's going to the Maldives, the Maldives <laughs> and Shauna's marrying you.
0: <laughs> I'm planning on working about four days this summer.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We got we we're gonna do a we're gonna do a big summer event swap where yeah, <laughs> Shauna marries Peter, and Molly comes with me to the Maldives. <laughs>
1: You guys should do like an April Fools' episode where your wife and fiance host the show instead.
2: Uh
0: we uh, have we have,
2: this. we have tried to get them to. Do oh that. no! Like, oh, they sure. are
0: both bet. We are both. They are better than both of us. They surely would do a better job at least for one episode. We we pitched. I think like a forty minute episode. We were like, not the full two and a half hours. You're. We get it. But like, what about forty minutes? And then you can hit stop whenever you want. And they.
2: Uh, I think they, they did both were like, no. That. Wow. Okay. No. But Molly did guest. Good stuff coming up. Uh, Otherwise, this has been an amazing month. Thank you guys uh, so much. uh, And uh, good night.
0: Good night. (laughs) And thank you, yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, and good night. folks thanks for listening to we love to watch thank you so much for listening to our show and we've got just a few quick announcements for you there ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs baby if you'd like to talk to us uh tell us we're stupid tell us we're beautiful the quickest way to get to us is our facebook group facebook.com slash we love to watch or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us if we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're
2: sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, We don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does
0: help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google
2: Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Guys, on our Facebook page especially, we're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.